Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome, and great to have you with us. The great American divide between Republicans and Democrats is widening. That divide between conservatives, independents, and patriots of all kinds versus the Marxist left and so-called progressives. This is a national struggle for power. It has been for some time. But now the Republicans and independents are recognizing the Marxist Dems for what they really are, a fifth column of totalitarians that means to destroy America, to tear down this republic, to shred our Constitution, and turn over the country to the globalists who align with communist China. Xi Jinping is preparing, it appears, to exert military control over the Taiwan Strait, and soon, which would be an act of war if this were not, in fact, the Biden presidency. Russia says it's now in a hot war with the United States. And the Marxist Dems this week indicted the party's only threat, that is, the 45th president of the United States and the presumptive Republican presidential nominee in 2024. Not even Marxist Dems can believe the New Yorkers were so reckless and corrupt. And sure enough, President Trump is now indisputably the odds-on favorite to win the White House next year. Here now to give us his considerable insight into the political impact of that indictment, our guest is GOP strategist and pollster John McLaughlin. John, welcome, and always good to have you with us here on The Great America Show. So, so tell us, what is the state of our body politic from your perspective? How big are the numbers for President Trump after the indictment? Well, uh, I mean, the, we predicted that this Biden Bragg uh, indictment of Donald Trump was going to backfire. Uh, that's what our March 21st national poll said. And we just did a, a campaign poll for President Trump's campaign that was conducted right after the indictment on Friday night and uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, Saturday during the day. And it showed that uh, that's exactly right, because I told President Trump, you got to realize the only crime you've committed is you're ahead of Joe Biden in the polls. And it's been like that for over a year, ever since uh, Biden tanked the economy and ever since Biden you know, basically, he surrendered Afghanistan, weakened our national foreign policy. So in that recent Trump campaign poll, we had Trump leading Biden nationally 47 percent to 43 percent among all likely voters. And we never saw that in 2016 against Hillary Clinton in our national popular vote or against Joe Biden. We were close in the battleground states, but we were behind in the national popular vote. And that's posted on our website on McLaughlinOnline.com. We show the line graphs. But ever since uh, Joe Biden surrendered in Afghanistan, Donald Trump's been beating him nationally and would beat him in a landslide. 
And because of that, all of a sudden, you know, they, 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 you know, here's a president who's been impeached twice, defeated the Democrats with that, investigated by a kangaroo court for January 6th committee, uh, had their FBI raid his home in Mar-a-Lago, and now they've got a Soros-funded left-wing radical prosecutor out of Manhattan uh, to indict him on bogus charges that the whole country knows is, is, is purely political. And Donald Trump has surged in the primary where in, in the January in our monthly poll, he was leading a field, the Republican field, 43 to 31 for DeSantis, five for Pence. In the Trump campaign poll that we just completed, it's 51% Donald Trump, only 21% Ron DeSantis, 6% for Mike Pence, 4% for Nikki Haley, 2% for Mitt Romney. Everybody else gets less. And one-on-one against Ron DeSantis, who is the great D.C. establishment's answer to Donald Trump, uh, we were leading 52 to 40 in January. And it's because a lot of people nationally didn't think Trump, you know, he announced, but they weren't sure he was exactly running. And since then, he's been to New Hampshire, South Carolina, Davenport, Iowa, Waco, Texas, and visited East Palestine. And he's out there running hard. And the Democrats take him very seriously to the point that they created this bogus indictment. And now Donald Trump leads Ron DeSantis one-on-one among all Republican primary voters, 63% to 30%, a 33% lead. So it's very likely that Donald Trump is going to get the nomination, particularly the more they prosecute him. You know, they're going to have a some sort of hearing on these charges they just filed in December, and then they're going to have a trial in January. In January, we have the Iowa caucuses on January 22nd, and January 30th, you have the New Hampshire primary. I mean, clearly, uh, Biden and Soros are doing everything they can to make sure, we, you know, that Donald Trump isn't the nominee, but it's going to backfire. And Republicans see it for what it is, and, and the American voters see it for what it is. I think everybody in this country is watching it and sees it for what it is. John, there is a Democrat, Republican, you name it. Everybody knows that's a crooked operation in Manhattan. That is Marxist dim country. Uh, as, uh, as President Trump yeah. said, he got 1% vote in Manhattan. He doesn't much think, he doesn't much think his odds of getting a, a good jury are, are, are very high. Uh, you know, and we're laughing about it, but this is for this man, this is just the continuation mm. of seven years of political persecution. Yes. And not a damn soul will step in and find the decency, the courage, and the leadership to say, enough. Not a yeah. one in the Democratic Party. And all you know very well, if Schumer had that kind of uh, character uh, and capacity as a human being and, and, and a political leader, he would shut it down because he knows that it's an evil act on the part of what was once the party of loyal opposition to the Republicans. It is now a Marxist-led party intent on tearing asunder uh, this great republic. It's that, it's that straightforward to me. What do you think? Um, I think, you know, the American people agree with you. When we asked the voters in the Trump campaign survey on April 1st, when we asked them, uh, the Manhattan district attorney's uh, indictment, is it, you know, is this rigged against Donald Trump? Only 37% of the voters said that Trump can get a fair trial in Manhattan. 47% of all voters in the country said no. Republicans, only 18% said yes, 72% said no. I mean, this is not the Manhattan District Attorney. I, I was friends with the late, great Senator Fred Thompson, and he played the 
you know, law and order, the district attorney in, in New York for a while. They, I mean, that doesn't exist. That's a fantasy world and the voters know it. And when we ask them about weaponizing, and these are really distressing numbers because we, when we ask them about, uh, you know, has Joe Biden and the radical left weaponized the justice system to prosecute their political opponents? 48% of all voters in the country agreed with that. Only 39 disagreed. Republicans agree 82 to 11. And when we asked about, uh, you know, Joe Biden, the Democrats spending too much time and resources to go after Donald Trump with phony political attacks, which are a waste of time and money, uh, instead of solving the country's real problems like the economy, inflation, crime, immigration, national security, 57% of all voters in the country agreed with that statement. Only 35 disagreed. Republicans agree 88 to 8. So people see this for what it is. They see that this is, I mean, it's unbelievable when the president of El Salvador, the president of Mexico, they start saying that the this is, this is, you know, this is wrong and it shouldn't happen in a democracy. I have clients in Europe. Uh, like Prime Minister Orban in Hungary and and other other places that that were once controlled by the Soviet Union and controlled by communists, and they said, "This is what the communists did when they took over our countries. They they created fake, you know, cases against legitimate national figures, and they persecuted them, sent them to jail, locked them up." And it goes on in China today. It goes on in Russia today. And this is what Joe Biden's doing. It's 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 frightening when you think about the the implications of what they're doing to Donald Trump. Yeah, you're right. It it is Joe Biden doing this. It is his administration. Uh, but interestingly, George Soros is behind everything that is happening in this uh, historic indictment, uh, historic and dark and deeply disturbing to all Americans. George Soros turns out to be uh, the, if you will, the opposition uh, to one of your clients uh, yeah. in, in Europe. Tell right. us about that. Well, he's years ago in the 20th century, he was uh, on the, on the anti-communist side and was, was with Viktor Orban uh, in, in the freedom movement. Then he turned on, on them and he tried over the years soros for for your listeners soros is somebody who makes his money by uh collapsing currencies and watching people suffer and profiting from it he tried to collapse the hungarian currency he tried to collapse the the english pound the british pound he tried to collapse other countries currencies because uh, that's what how he's made his billions of dollars that he's now pumping into the decline in the united states and he went after, uh, you know, our our client, because uh, uh, I, I ended up doing the polling for Victor Orban after Arthur Finkelstein passed away, who was originally his pollster. And we had, uh, in 2018, they had an election. And, and Soros is a globalist who wanted Hungary to take in migrants like the rest of Europe from all over the, the world, from the Middle East and from Africa, et cetera. And it's a small country, 10 million people. They can't do that. So they built a fence, a security fence on the southern border uh, and controlled their immigration and controlled their culture. And Soros has been after them ever since. And uh, Orban won with a record amount of, voter, of votes in his in his country in 2018. And, and he got a, you know, a super majority in parliament. And then going into this election in 2022, the last election in April of 2022, uh, 
they tried to organize the opposition against Orban into one party and had like an Iowa caucus style vote. And after one candidate dropped out, they found another socialist. And, you know, we clearly define them as socialists and, and, and uh, Hungary's an EU country and, and that has done very well under uh, capitalism and, uh, and, and free markets. And we ended up, uh, you know, uh, beating the the candidate that they picked against us even bigger margin even even greater supermajority because a month a couple of months before the election the the russians invaded ukraine and and hungary's on the border had to take in all these refugees they're a nato ally and they're worried they don't want to be involved uh in a war unless they have to be with nato but uh you know, they basically, the voters of Hungary decided to stay with uh, Viktor Orban in record numbers. And it's precisely because of his policies and precisely because they feel safer with him. But Soros is, you know, somehow encouraging this chaos in Europe against their allies. So, and the Biden administration goes along with it because they've got people all throughout, you know, the bureaucracy in Brussels and in, in the Washington State Department to uh, undermine you know, America first strong policies that Donald Trump put there. Donald Trump and Victor Orban, Orban endorsed Trump in 2016 before our, his first election. And uh, they've been friends ever since. So that automatically, you know, qualifies for the deep state to try to, uh, you know, fight against not just Trump, but also anybody in the world who supports his, you know, policies to put, you know, democracy, freedom, liberty first. And the deep state is, as always, aligned with George Soros and uh, the the likelihood is that uh, George Soros is spending far more money than anyone knows about in Hungary. Give us a sense of how much money he's spending there. I, I you know, I don't know as, as much because a lot of it is funded through NGOs, these these non-government organizations, mm -hmm. these nonprofits, just like he's done in the United States. I mean, he he funds NGOs that fund guys like uh, Alvin Bragg and and fund the open border policies. I mean, they fund the policies that have opened our border and stopped the, the you know, tr the Trump policy of building the wall. So uh, it goes through these, you know, dark money groups that go into the NGOs and it's, you know, hard to trace, but it's it's right. millions upon millions of dollars. And uh, and it's it's it's, you know, harder to trace in Europe than it is in the United States. See if you would agree with this statement, uh, because we are watching such rampant pervasive corruption. The Marxist Dems control the federal government now. People can argue with that. They can quibble about it. Uh, the fact is they control the federal government. Uh, and in many cases, uh, they, they subvert policy through uh, non-government uh, organizations and uh, not-for-profit organizations. Uh, all across this country. We've got something like, I, I the last time I checked, it was over 3 million not-for-profits in this country operating. Mm -hmm. And the way they're being used now politically and the sociologically uh, is to fund exact opposite organizations to whatever the public policy is that they want to destroy. Where it illegal immigration, uh, border uh, security, they want it wide open. Uh, they they are throughout all of Latin America dealing with these huge inflows of illegal immigrants into the United States in cooperation, of course, with the welcoming Biden administration. I say we can't defeat defeat corruption in this country at any level 
until we abolish nonprofits. And people have to understand what that means. Charities, yes. Everything else, no. Your thoughts? Well, I think I think that to me, I'm like stunned that the RNC and the Republican National Committee didn't file uh, IRS complaints or FEC complaints against the Zuckerberg money that will, the nonprofits that put over $400 million into defeating Donald Trump in the last election, because they not only were able to do it, they got a tax deduction to do it. So when you think about the fact that Zuckerberg was funding uh, efforts to register de- in, and, and get out the vote and have drop boxes in places where there were more Democrats than Republicans, but not in the Republican areas. I mean, that's partisan political activity. That's supposed to be prohibited. But nobody's really made a challenge to it. And you've got it going on now with these source NGOs. And there's, there's this abuse going on, whether they're, they're, whether it's, they're, you know, they're promoting releasing criminals or importing illegal aliens into the United States or uh, trying to subvert the elections directly by having non-citizens vote. That's the other one. That, that, that's a great great idea. Let's let anyone move here and then be able to vote in elections like they, they do in Vermont, parts of Maryland, Massachusetts. Uh, uh, they try and, now, and do it in New York City. And and, then, and now the new governor, the new governor, the new mayor of Chicago, he says he wants illegal immigrants voting, period. Right. Uh, I, I mean, this the Midwest is turning into a bizarre Marxist zone uh, if you will, uh, occupied territory uh, in this country by the Marxists. Well, it's in the cities. Their plan is to is to. Uh, David Plouf wrote a book, "How to Defeat Donald, Citizens Guide to Defeat Donald Trump," in March of 2020, before the election. He put it down there, and he was like, "Trump got out more voters in battleground states. What we're going to do is we're going to focus on the handful of counties in those states that would." Uh, that would turn the battleground states against Trump. And that's what they've done. They've gone into Maricopa County, Arizona. They've gone into uh, they've gone into Dane County and Milwaukee County in Wisconsin. They've gone into Fulton County in Georgia. And that's where they're funding these efforts, efforts uh, in a handful of counties that are urban counties where they're creating these socialist, uh, you know, driven uh, radical left, whether it's prosecutors, mayors, whatever. And our voters are fleeing those areas and they're either moving to the suburbs or exurbs or they're moving out of those states. And, uh, you know, so that's why you get big. It's a trend been going on for a long time in Florida. That's why you get big Republican wins in Florida. That's why Tennessee is a deep red state now. And, you know, you 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 see Republicans win big there. And also a lot of these states have no income tax. So it's uh, right. um so and they're the but, ones prospering while these other states are are not doing well as far as their economies go. John, while we're in the region, the southeast, explain Georgia to me. I what happened to that state? I a, a absolutely a, a ter, terrific red state, reliable mm-hmm. as it could be. And the next thing we know, Stacey Abrams comes uh, comes a running and. Uh, uh, mixes it all up, and, and now it looks to me like we're headed toward a, a Georgia blue state. Right. Well, you look at the longer-term history of the state voting. I mean, jo- Jimmy Carter, being their favorite son, kept them, you know, in the Reagan era, kept them a little more Democratic, but then sooner or later they came to the Reagan side. And, 
you know, after the turn of the century, over 20 years ago, it was a 43 Republican state and it was a conservative state. And during that time, where Sonny Perdue was governor and I worked for uh, Governor Nathan Deal and Nathan did a great job. They really sought to keep taxes low to, uh, uh, you know, increase, attract businesses, increase, uh, do well with their state's economy. And I would I would often say to Governor Deal, I said, you're making this look easy because in the elections, I worked for him in 2010 and 2014, his re-election where he won decisively 8%. Uh, the, the electorate was a third Republican, a third Democrat, a third independent. And we were winning by eight points and things were going well. But in the in the process, people were moving from other states that were bringing uh, their politics with them. So now this, the votes are determined in the metro Atlanta area by people who moved in from other northern states and were not born and raised in the south. And they may have been a Republican in Pennsylvania or Ohio or New York, wherever they came from, but they don't want to be seen as too conservative. And 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 all of a sudden they start voting for Raphael Warnock. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Because you 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 messed up a perfectly good state where you. You're That's direct. a great way to put it. That's a I, great I mean, way to put it. But but you know, last November in the ballots, because uh, Speaker Ralston who passed away uh, after the election, led the effort to clean up the, the reforms that were, went in during COVID that Raffensperger signed off on. And Nathan Deal would have never signed off on those reforms where they had these drop boxes that were unsecure, et cetera, costing the race. But once we had voter ID for everybody, whether absentee or in-person, the drop boxes were secured. They were put into government buildings. You didn't have people driving up, dropping in 100 ballots anymore to kill the ballot harvesting. Every statewide elected official last November was from Kemp on down was a Republican because it was an honest election. And I remember Biden and Major League Baseball, they moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta, insulting Hank Aaron and the Braves, the world champion Braves. They moved it out of out of Atlanta because they said it was Jim Crow 2.0. They said it was racist, these laws. Those laws, to have voter ID is not racist. The Democrats are a corrupt party and they will try to steal every election if you give them a chance. And that's what non-citizen voting is about. That's what uh, states like my state that I live in in New York, they don't they don't have voter ID. And they tried to have same day registration in a state with voter ID. And in New York State, the voters, 58 percent of the voters voted against that when they had a referendum on that in 2021. So. So the motives of the Democrats have to really be called out how corrupt and how dishonest they are. And that's the epitome of what they've done to Donald Trump by by pressing charges against their leading political opponent. I mean, this is what they do in communist countries. This is what Ortega does in Nicaragua. This is what Castro did in Cuba. This is what they do in Venezuela. This is what they do in Russia, China. And it's going on in America. And people, if we don't keep calling it out and telling people we've got to fight this, um, the country's going to continue to decline. And guys like Soros must, nobody's ever done it, but somebody has to check out George Soros to see if he's trading to lower the dollar. I mean, if he's trying to decline, you know, uh, the value of the dollar, he's doing a hell of a job with his candidates right now because, uh, you know, 71% of the voters say America's on the wrong track, 69% said in the last two years we've gone backwards. Um, and, you know, the mainstream media is going along with this.
Well, let's let's do it this way. I, I can tell you, uh, and no, with with no doubt about it, that there is not a single policy being followed by the Biden administration, the Biden regime, this impaired puppet president. Every single policy is designed for the shorts in the currency markets, shorting the dollar. Uh, that's it. There is nothing that would be uplifting that is a positive. It has been all about destabilization. Destabilization politically equals destabilization economically. And that is what we're witnessing. So George Soros has to be uh, absolutely uh, you know, rejoicing at the effectiveness of the policies and the billions of dollars that he is throwing at uh, Marxizing uh, the United States, uh, I think without any doubt whatsoever. Uh, as, you, as you talk about Georgia, we're looking at other states, we're looking at other uh, uh, situations in, in the country. I, I can't help but think that this is a country that is now going, has no choice but to wake up to how evil the, the Democrats are how much power they hold, and and they must. And I was praying that it would be 2022, but 2024, without a doubt, is uh, has to be a Republican victory. They have to take control of every uh, every part of this government in order to the House, the Senate, the White House, uh, and uh, I hope a lot of the courts, because otherwise. Uh, this country is going to be run by the Marxist Dems, uh, probably in perpetuity. No, I, I, Sally, I think I, you know. I think you're right, and and it's like that's why every election, like just, I mean, the elections we fought. It's like being in the Alamo, the in New York, where I live, and my usual ally and client is not the Republican Party necessarily, but there are a lot of good people in New York fighting. But the New York State Conservative Party is the one who fought the ballots where they tried to, in effect. Uh, uh, change redistricting, account illegals, uh, have uh, same-day registration of voters with no voter ID, and also to uh, uh, to have no excuse absentee so they can en enable ballot harvesting. But uh, but it's like fighting at the Alamo, where every day you've got to fight these things because if you don't, they'll take over. And in New York State, ironically, our friends that fought that in the New York State Conservative Party, including Ronald Lauder, who funded their efforts, they enabled the redistricting that a judge threw out the Democrat gerrymander, and they were able to win 11 of the, the House seats in New York instead of four. And that's the margin that the Republicans have in Congress. And those con members of Congress now, like Mike Lawler, who beat Sean Patrick Maloney and Anthony D'Esposito um, and, and uh, Brandon Williams up in Syracuse, I mean, they're the ones, Mark Molinaro too, they're the ones that Hakeem Jeffries is coming after. And we've got to make sure that, that uh, we hold those seats and uh, make sure that, that we keep the majority in Congress as well as we should be able to take over the Senate. There's 33 seats up, of which two-thirds are Democrats, including West Virginia, Nevada, uh, Arizona. Uh, and and we should be able to take the Senate. We should be able to keep the House. And we should be able to make sure Donald Trump gets elected president because Joe Biden has destroyed the United States over the last two years. There are a number of things. Let me just say one thing. Talking with Alan Dershowitz, uh, he brought up something. We're talking about the uh, the inundation uh, in this country of the Marxist Dems. 
uh, and it goes across academia as we were discussing politics, you name it. Uh, but he said something about the law schools, uh, which is the basis for all of this ESG, uh, DEI uh, uh, nonsense that is being uh, inculcated across public schools, across uh, businesses, you name that as well, uh, across the country. Uh, he pointed out that it, at the root of this within the law schools in this country, the great indoctrination and the great influence that is destabilizing American law and, and uh, shifting it to far left uh, is an organization called the National uh, Law Guild. Uh, it was uh, an, inspired by a communist. Uh, the Soviet Union had a great influence, uh, Dershowitz said, uh, for three or four decades in this country. And they are the reason that we're seeing Stanford and Yale and these other schools uh, shouting down invited uh, guests, uh, trampling the First Amendment, uh, and and apparently, uh, uh, without question, uh, radicalizing these young attorneys. And we're facing that prospect for years to come because there is no countervailing influence to the National Lawyers Guild within these universities. And by the way, the membership is a large part of the membership are are law professors in the, these institutions. Uh, had Were you aware of that? Because I was not until Dershowitz told me about it. Well, I, I, not so much the, the, the Guild, but I was certainly aware of like organizations like the Southern Poverty Law Center, where they, you know, they've been funding very uh, anti-free speech and, and, and also they've, they've been censoring. They're the ones they use in the Justice Department as a reason to censor conservatives and conservative organizations. And by the way, I wouldn't say it's just law schools. There are business schools. I mean, I got my MBA at a Fordham in, in New York and uh, you, you watch what goes on now with the, this, uh, um, like you're saying, the diversity training and the, and the ESG stuff, they're putting it all into, all into these corporations. So Ford today announced that they're gonna start making cars next year without AM radios. And why are they getting rid of AM radios out of cars? It's because the woke corporations, they're saying it interferes with their batteries and the electric cars. Well, they're getting rid of it in all their cars. And, and, and why are they doing that? Because conservatives listen to talk radio. I mean, so I'm not going to buy another Ford <laughs> ever again. And, well, and, and we need to make sure that, that, you know, we fight back because, again, it's it's corporate censorship. And, it, you know, Ford's making billions. Of, they've got they're losing like they lost like three billion dollars uh, making electric cars with China. Right. And uh, uh, they've got this battery deal with the Chinese. And so here they are. They're, OK, let's ban let's ban conservative. Let's ban AM radio so we can get rid of conservative talk radio. So, uh, um, you know, the, uh, as you as you hear that, it's just incredulous to me that Americans would roll over for this. Well, they're rolling over. And by the way, uh, Ford Motor, again, and by the way, I've been a Ford guy uh, for most of my life. Uh, we got a, you know, Ford trucks, Ford, you know, all sorts of things. But the, by the way, for tractors, I'm definitely a John Deere guy, just to get the record <laughs> straight. But uh, Ford building a, a multi-billion dollar plant in Mexico, just the other side of the border, rather than putting it in the United States. So let me tell you, I am definitely not a Ford guy. 
<laughs> uh, and I'm not for anybody who continues to offshore their production and doesn't commit themselves to the middle class of this country. And I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a rhino, uh, a Democrat, what you are. If you're not supporting the American middle class, the American family, I'm not going to buy your product and I'm not going to put up with you. I, I'm just, it's just that simple. I am sick of this. And people right. have got to understand they have got to start using their their judgment in in their consumer dollars because that's what it's all about and if they want to get uh, rich off a bunch of marxists go get them because they're not going to get rich off of this capitalist uh you know i i just i have to say, i want to quote something because you were talking about business schools and you're exactly right especially the the human resources uh departments of these corporations i mean they've taken over but the reason I worry about the law schools is because the law lawyers are what we're watching right now. Big law will not put up with a Trump, uh, a Trump client. They don't want anything to do with them. And if an attorney in their big law firm uh, wants to represent them, they have to leave the firm. They're, they're pushing people out because they want to be on the left. And so this is what we're facing. Uh, the and this is what and I, because Alan said Alan Dershowitz said this and I thought it was so powerful. He says uh, it's getting worse. The judicial system's corruption, it's political corruption, and it's getting much worse. Now let me quote him, because the future leaders of the bar, the future judges, the future professors, are now at Stanford Law School, at Yale Law School, at Georgetown Law School, stopping people from speaking, saying the Constitution doesn't matter that it's a white male patriarchal document and should be ignored. Let me repeat this. The Constitution of the United States, a white male patriarchal document and should be ignored. That is the spewed language uh, of, of the Marxists. Uh, it's Marxist ideology. There, and going on to quote, there are now 100 chapters of the National Lawyers Guild and law schools around the country what the National Lawyers Guild is started as a communist organization supported Hitler when the Stalin made the pact mm -hmm. with it. The Soviet Union told it to do so. It supported Israel in 1948 because the Soviet Union chose to do so. It then rejected Israel in 67 because the Soviet Union told it to. And so on. This is powerful stuff from Alan Dershowitz, and I think people just have to understand it. I think what you're saying about business schools is, is deeply troubling. But when our law schools turn their back on the Constitution, we have entered a period of pure hell in America. Uh, John, I, I just I really enjoyed our conversation today. I hope you did as well. We always give our guests, as you know, the last word. And if you will, John, your concluding thought. Just as one last concluding thought from the poll that we did for the Trump campaign. As we speak, Hunter Biden is having an art show in Manhattan. And I doubt that Alvin Bragg has anybody there to, to watch the customers come in and pay six figures for his paint by numbers, uh, whatever he's done, Hunter Biden. But I'm sure that the customers, maybe, maybe George Soros kind of people, maybe people from the Chinese consulate. But uh, when we asked American voters about that, there's a double standard in the United States where the Biden family corruption escapes investigation. President Trump, Trump is charged. 55% uh, of all voters agreed with that. Only 35% disagreed. So American voters know we're in trouble. 
and they know where this corruption starts and they know where it ends. And that's with Joe Biden and his corrupt family. And we just have to be able to keep getting the message out until the next election to make sure Donald Trump wins the nomination and make sure we beat Joe Biden. So we've got a long time to go, but we're, we're on the right path right now. And most voters agree with us. Yeah, the war is underway, the political battle in all forms. Uh, and we simply have to understand it's it's now or never. Uh, by the way, we do know two Republican district attorneys want to prosecute now the Biden family, according to, <laughs> to Congressman uh, James Comer, the chairman of the uh, House Oversight Committee. So it has begun uh, because it is time for Republicans to wake up and get to and get busy. Uh, as you have been saying throughout, John, we appreciate it. John McLaughlin, you're a great American. We appreciate it. Thank you, Luke. Have a happy Easter. Thanks, everybody. Great to have you with us today. Please join us here Monday. Julie Kelly is our guest. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Passover. Have a great weekend. Be with us Monday. Thanks. God bless you, and God bless America.